The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 26th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 26, verses 1 through 27, and also verse 66. They can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1542. Matthew 26, 1 through 27, and 66. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. And then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. And they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. Now, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? they asked. The perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached, Throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? And he replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. And when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the, the table with the twelve and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. 
And they were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe, woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, for we know that nothing good comes from any other source. I want to remind you of our epistle from Philippians. Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. If I say the word in a sentence, he wore a crown, and crown is the operative word there, all of you will picture the object in your mind's eye. Now, when a member of my family celebrates his or her birthday, that person gets to wear a crown. And that person is the king or the queen for the entire day. And being the king or queen brings a lot of special privileges around the house with it. For example, the king or the queen gets to be first everywhere and in everything that we do during that one day, their day, each year. The king or queen for the day also gets to do special things, which means anything they want goes. It is really a good feeling to be the king or queen for the day because all of the other family members celebrate you all day long. All day long, they do for you. 
And we all look forward to the day when we get to wear that crown. Let me ask you this. Would you like to be a king or a queen in real life? A king or a queen, usually they live in a palace and and they got lots of money, silver and gold and, and even jewels. They are surrounded by servants and in today's they're surrounded by paparazzi the servants get them anything they want everyone looks up to them and admires them would you like to be treated like a king or a queen every day today we remember a king This king took off his crown and he gave up his throne to become a servant. And we know that king is Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus put aside his godly nature and he came to earth to become a servant. And when Jesus was on earth, he spent his entire life in service to others. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He was a friend to those who were without friends, the friendless. Jesus never lived in a palace. He had no money, no silver or gold, no jewels. In fact, the only crown that Jesus ever wore while on this earth was a crown made out of thorns. Now, if I were to ask you if you want to be like Jesus, most would probably say yes. But that isn't the question this morning. The question today is, would you rather be a servant or a king? Jesus chose to be a servant to you and to me. I'm going to take us back to Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Jesus, Jesus the Christ, died for the ungodly. And we know that one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God, Abba, our Father in heaven, shows his love for us And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to take us to our scripture this morning, the gospel, in which we see the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to proclaim this to you right now, that the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is the gospel. We know that, after all, the Lord's Supper is all about how the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world, gives away the forgiveness and salvation that he won and achieved on the cross to his sinners. Now, how in the world does he do that? And the answer is through his word. 
He preaches. He speaks. What he says, he does. He promises. And what he promises, he gives. You can, you can verify this. Go ahead and check it out. In the Gospel of Matthew today, 26, verses 26 through 28. And it is also written in Mark chapter 14, 20 through, 22 through 24. And yet again, it is written in Luke 22, 19 through 20. And once again, in a letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25. We know that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lamb of God, Jesus, preaches a Passover sermon that had never been preached before. He does what he does. He, he gives what he gives because he is God, the God-man. There is no other God than this man, Jesus. His mouth is God's mouth. His words are God's words. His sermon is a divine promise by which he gives his last will and testament. Yes, that's right. His last will and testament. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he draws up his last will and testament. He would do that? Of course he did. And he does it for you. The Lamb of God, Jesus, is the Monday, Thursday testator who anticipates his Good Friday death. This is what he does. He identifies the estate that he leaves behind and he names heirs to that estate. And incredibly, the heirs, they're you. They're you. His sinners are the beneficiaries. You, his sinners, his sinners are given the inheritance, the very salvation achieved for you on that cross. He gives to you the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is gospel. Now, many would object to this, and some really still do object. They'd say, seriously? He's got to be out of his mind. That's nuts. That's wacko. That's cuckoo. A few cards short of a full deck. Does the elevator go up to the top floor? Doesn't he see what's happening and who these men are that are around the table in this last supper? Good grief one could say. Look around the Passover table. Well, let's do that. We see James, and we see John, and they always want to be the big shot bosses. And all the rest of the 12, they resent them. They, they constantly bicker. They fight amongst themselves. Who is the greatest? Iscariot, is an embezzling, good-for-nothing thief. And in addition, 
He's going to commit one of the most outrageous and notorious, awful betrayals in the history of the world with a kiss and a little bit of cash. We know that Peter and James and John won't keep watch because they're tired and they take a snooze. In fact, they are snoozing soundly at Gethsemane. And Peter says this, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. That bravado quickly turns into a profanity-laced, which I can't recreate for you, but he says, liar, liar, pants on fire. I do not know this man. I've never even seen this Jesus, he says. I don't know him at all. Total denial. And he does this not just once, but three times. And we know that three strikes and you're out. But not with Jesus. Even though he is surrounded by hardcore sinners, he is of a sound mind. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's in charge. He determines the place to celebrate the Passover meal. He's taking care of every detail. In fact, he unmasks his betrayer and he pronounces divine judgment on him ahead of time. The Lamb of God, testator Jesus. He speaks of bequeaths his will in that upper room. Let me explain. He says, eat this bread. It is my body. I give it for you. He says, drink this wine. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. The estate that he leaves us is this. It's the forgiveness of sins for his sinners. The Lord's Supper truly is gospel. Now, his Good Friday body and his Good Friday blood are given with the bread and the wine because he says so. And you like those notorious sinners that are around the table, you are named as heirs. You are given to receive the internal inheritance. His inheritance is for you and for me. The testator Jesus promises that his body and blood are given and shed for you. And he promises that all of your sin is forgiven. Name a sin. Name one of your sins. He guarantees it's forgiven. You could ask, what about the ones that I can't even remember, Pastor, and I didn't even know I did? Forgiven. What about the sin that that I don't want to do but ended up doing? Or how about the sin that deserves God's temporal and eternal punishment? All forgiven. Totally 
absolved. Like all wills, this one on the night that Jesus was betrayed, when it is read out loud, and every Sunday in this church, well, when it is read out loud, it is contested as well, even bitterly by some. Some flat out reject it. They say, body? Blood? How primitive. Is this some sort of a religious cult thing? What are you talking about, you, you Lutherans? You Christians? Give me a break. And forgiveness? Some might even say, I don't need it. I'm not even a sinner. Now there's like Satan. Death and the world will be indignant. They'll be horrified at what we do. They will get in your grill if you espouse the Lord's Supper as a means of grace, forgiveness, salvation. They will get in your grill and they will accuse you. They will try to bind and condemn you for your sin. They'll say, look at you, they scream. You call yourself a Christian? Really? You're no better than Iscariot. You're just like Peter. In fact, you're worse. You've got betraying and denying Jesus down pat. According to all decency as well as all law and order, you've excluded yourself from Jesus. You've excluded yourself from his last will and testament. They will say you are a betrayer. Doesn't Satan do that? Doesn't that liar voice in you say, yeah, that's for everybody but you? He'll call you a denier. He'll call you sinful and unclean and unworthy. What will you do in light of these accusations against you? What can you say? Well, here's what you do. You step up to the plate of truth. You produce the evidence. You give them the goods because they've caught you red-handed. You confess. Yeah, this is what you say. You say, you're exactly right. Truly, I am Christ's betrayer. I am a denier. I am a sinner. In fact, I even colluded in his death. I gave him up. I ran from him. I even helped spit in his face. I pounded the spikes into his hands and into his feet. I'm not denying it. I'm not denying any bit of it. But you hear me. He died for me. And he names me me, the sinner, in his last will and testament. He promises that his estate belongs to me. I will do as he commands. I will eat and drink. I believe his promises. He is the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes even my sin away. Yes, the Lamb of God, Jesus, gives us his estate. The forgiveness of sins in the sacrament to those who needed it. 
And we know that only the sick need a physician. So we know this after that Monday, Thursday. The next day, Good Friday, that Jesus goes to his death. He's crucified. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's when his last will and testament goes into effect. Probated. He says, so every time you hear the words of institution in the divine service, it is the public proclamation and reading of his will, just as he intended in that upper room. And with the promise of forgiveness of sin, the Lamb of God, Jesus, bestows the whole inheritance, you could say the whole enchilada of his kingdom on you. That's salvation. The salvation won for you in his dying on the cross. That salvation that Luther called the glorious exchange. Your sin, my sin, for his glory, for his righteousness. Indeed, that's quite an inheritance. And again I say, the Lord's Supper, it is gospel. In the name of Jesus, amen.